If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. And thanks for joining us here on PM Express. And I know PM Express is always brought to you by Cherry Tree Properties. It's also brought to you by Syntex Tank, Alomo Bitters, and the Ghana AIDS Commission. And we'll get into a very fascinating change in Parliament, a wind of change indeed, sweeping changes to the parliamentary standing orders. But there are a few issues that we still need to clear up as far as the Constitution is concerned. Parliament has given itself sweeping powers. And I've been reading through this tonight, and I'm fascinated by how extensive the standing orders will be once it has been adopted and approved, passed by the entire House. It hasn't generated as much attention, so let's give it a bit of attention, because this is that arm of government which is specializing in the passage of laws, etc. So you cannot ignore it. We've seen the legislature... Um, you know, do a lot of things when it comes to the constitutional democracy. Now they are extending a bit more of their powers. And also, uh, I find another thing very interesting, giving a bit more power also to the opposition parties in terms of the chairmanship 
of some of the, of the committees that, that we have. And let's look at the, what we're beginning to see with the changes that Parliament is proposing. And the subject to the provision of this constitution, Parliament may, by standing orders, regulate its own procedures. And this is an important provision because this is how Parliament determines how it operates, right? And so it is important that they look at it. And it's been so long, in fact, 23 years since the last revision of this particular standing order that Parliament is, is looking at, right? And so since that review in 2000, we haven't seen any more reviews. In fact, you have to go back to 1993, of course, in the, in the Fourth Republic was first birth. We saw um, the standing orders, you know, given birth to, and then travel all the way to 2000 before that last review that we saw. So we haven't really touched it, but a lot has happened uh, since in the global movement, the democracy, transparency, and accountability. All these things now play a part. In, in, in parliamentary practice around the world. And so the ACE Parliament then decided to form this technical committee to complete work of the previous parliament because the parliament since 2000 have all discussed how to improve and revise the standing orders. They didn't really come around to doing so, right? So this particular proposal is now something the parliament is rigorously considering. And last week it came to the floor, it was debated, there was general consensus among some of the provisions, including the formation of the Committee on Security and Intelligence. Those of us who like following American politics, if you go to the, the, the Senate, have the Senate Intelligence Committee, and they are powerful. If you, if you like watching uh, you know, spy series and movies, you hear a lot about the Senate Intelligence Committee. They get briefings on everything. The president gets briefings. They also get briefings. On, on what's happening in this country when it comes to uh, intelligence and security. There's a proposal now um, by the parliament in this standing order that they've proposed and, and put forward for consideration, Security and Intelligence Committee. You also have committees on ways and means. And that's one of the committees that immediately when you mention ways and means in the African Ghanaian context, it throws up all manner of interesting connotations, right? So what really is this? It's going to go into a bit of the finances, money, etc. But I'm curious to sit with my uh, panelists to die, you know, get in a bit more into this, dissect it a bit more. What is ways and means? Why do you need a committee on ways and means? What really is it? Don't worry, we'll get into that pretty shortly. But then there's a budget committee that's also going to come up. We have, obviously, the finance committee. We have the special budget committee. Now they're also proposing... A budget committee that will now work with the finance ministry in the preparation of the annual budget. That is actually very, very interesting now. We now have a committee that will work with the finance ministry. The finance ministry, before now, they, they do, um, they put the budget together. They may consult the finance committee in parliament, but they may choose not to also. But now you have a committee with a sole purpose, including working with the finance committee to put this budget together before it comes. So, so we get, parliament is going to have a greater say in the preparation of the budget through this particular committee. The Petitions Committee is also one that is coming. The Committee on Bills is also coming. Committee on Ethics and Standards is something that is also going to come in because the Parliament is anticipating that their Code of Conduct will also be in play, and this committee will be enforcing that quite strictly once it's, it's, uh, it's approved by the House. But I find this very interesting also because if you look at the, another proposal that has been put forward, they also want to adopt the sanctions provisions from Act 300, okay, for contempt of parliament and breach of parliamentary uh, uh, privileges. 
And now you have a, a committee that is going to look into this matter and, and enforce it quite strictly, also being proposed. So Parliament now, in this standing order, want to bite. Content of Parliament is already there, but they haven't quite defined what the sanctions is in the standing orders. What they're trying to do is now fall on the you know, Parliament Act to take the sanctions there. What it means, in effect, is you see in the standing orders now, for example, the provisions in the Parliament Act that says if you are in contempt of Parliament and you are a stranger, in parliamentary terms, when you're a stranger, you are, you are anybody else other than the president, the vice president, the speaker himself, a member of parliament or an officer of parliament. These five people, they are... You are a stranger to parliament. So I am a stranger to parliament. I can go to parliament and stand on the floor. I'm a stranger. I can sit in the public gallery. But if I act in any way that parliament deems to be in contempt, if you read the provisions of the act, I can go to prison for contempt of parliament for up to one year or pay a fine. Now, parliament is saying they want to put that in their standing orders, a bit more teeth specified there, that when you do it, they haul you before the privileges committee or whatever committee parliament deems fit, and you are, you are pronounced guilty, you can go to jail for contempt of parliament. And it applies to the MPs themselves, if they indeed act in a way that draws parliament's name into disrepute. So you see parliament wanting to bite a bit more. Signing of attendance register is also now going to come. But... Interestingly, now you can do this through electronic means. Now, as it is now, members have to go and take and sign, and then they come the next day, and there's always challenges with, you know, misters being missuses and etc. So they want to change that, and now you can do electronic means. But my, the, the thing about this, though, that I, we must raise caution about, often we've complained that MPs, they don't even go to the house in the first place. Now you're going to give them a means to register attendance electronically when they are not there. Right? I mean, so many will raise questions and say to just encourage more uh, absenteeism on the part of the MPs. We'll see if that's really one concern to look at. And then, I like this one. The recital of the National Pledge at the first and last sitting of every meeting. I wonder why that is even important, right? Because the, the, the National Pledge now will have to be recited by the members of Parliament. This is actually interesting. On the back of this, we need to test how many MPs can recite the national pledge, because now on the back of the proposals, they will have to be recited the national pledge at the first and last sittings of every meeting. Very interesting in the proposals that have come forward. Uh, and then the setting aside of time for backbenchers. The backbenchers who are not ministers, the deputies, etc., now will have their own time, the backbenchers time, where they can also put forward, you know, they, are, they, are, they can make statements, right? They can put forward their own private members' motions, they are deliberately carving a, a, a time slot, space for backbenchers, those who normally you wouldn't hear, to now also be heard on matters on the floor. That is very interesting and progressive indeed. Now, the president also presented this coordinated economic and social development program uh, to the House. I find that interesting also. Deputy ministers will now be allowed to come when their ministers are uh, and present, you know, uh, answer questions, etc., on behalf of their Ministers and maybe many will some will look at this and say, Well, this will also now give excuse to the ministers not to attend to parliament when they are invited because now their deputy ministers can do that uh, for them. And also, they also want to write into this standing order the impact analysis now becomes a prerequisite for introducing a bill which we know is already in the constitution 
which they now write into the standing orders, greater scrutiny of independent constitutional bodies on the floor. And, and this one is a very interesting one for me. And I've said some people raise questions about whether Parliament can do this, because they are setting up now a committee called the Independence, uh, Committee on Independent Constitutional Bodies. That will actually have the power to inquire, in, in, you know, open inquiries into the activities of the independent constitutional bodies, uh, such as the Electoral Commission um, and, and others, right? And, and that, some raising possible constitutional conflicts that may arise. So you have, for example, the Electoral Commission that now can be hauled to the floor and can also appear before the committee for greater scrutiny, right? But then you have the constitutional provision that comes in Article 46 of the 92 Constitution when it talks about the independence of the commission and that the commission shall not be subject to the direction or control of any person or authority, not even parliament, right? So how is parliament going to walk this fine line in enforcing these new powers that it's, it's, it's imposing on itself going forward in the new standing orders because of this potential conflict that we see. There's more to this, and we'll interrogate that what we say for a conversation. And then I find this also interesting. We also have the Public Accounts Committee, and, and I see this, one of the areas that I believe is actually very positive is the giving of a bit more powers and authority to the opposition party. As we know, these three um, committees are already in existence, and they are chaired by the opposition party, Public Accounts Committee, Government and Parliamentary Assurance Committee, Social Legislation. There are two additional committees that Parliament is now proposing to constitute. This is the Budget Committee and then also the Appointments Committee. That would now be chaired by the opposition party. And I find the Appointments Committee one very interesting. Remember that the Budget Committee itself now will also be working with the Finance Ministry to come up with a budget. If we have Appointments Committee chair as a member of the opposition, that will be supervising and, and recommending the approval or otherwise of an incumbent president's nominee. That then throws up a very interesting scenario going forward indeed. And we'll look at that. But I, I, I find it to be interesting, a bit more power and teeth to the opposition party in government. So a lot more to look at. And one that I saw just before I came on that I also find it very interesting is that they are actually proposing in the standing order that all committee sittings in Parliament, all committee sittings, should be done publicly, should be publicly uh, head. So now we know the Appointments Committee is, is open to the press. You can go and cover it, um, Public Accounts Committee. But now they're going forward. They're going even further than that, and they are recommending that all committees, except otherwise decided by the committee, must be done publicly. Wow, that's an interesting one indeed. And for me as a journalist, I like that. We'll, we'll, we'll look into that when we sit for a conversation. My guests are joining me um, right now. Uh, we'll have uh, Dr. Kwapon, who is a political scientist and a CDD fellow, Dr. Rashid Dramani, the executive director of the Africa Center for Parliamentary Affairs, and Roxy Nelson Dafiamekbo, who is a member of the Constitutional Legal Affairs Committee uh, in Parliament, also joining me for a conversation right after this. luxury. What if you could enjoy ultra luxury in the environs of Sakumono? What if you could have a share of affluence all to yourself? 
step into our five-bedroom executive Ohima suite or our four-bedroom Oyster Asantua space or our four-bedroom plush Kukwa unit and discover a whole world of possibilities. It's not just a building, it's a promise of a dream come true. Cherry Tree Properties. We develop spaces as though we were going to occupy them ourselves. Reach us on 0553-662-366 or 0544-294. Who is the good? Ghana Jolof or Nigeria Jolof? Ghana Jolof has no co-equal. Smell a lot. Oh my god. No, that shit. You two they lie, eh? Now they say you when they use Google Ladders and then they go put them for top. Yes. You are lying. Oh. You cannot do oh. of goats may differ in football, music, and jollof. Alomo Bittis always brings us together. Alomo experience greatness in every moment. <laughs> Drink responsibly. Not for sale to persons under 18 and recommended to pregnant women. This advert is FDA approved. <laughs> Salary account, you will enjoy free life insurance. Free debit card, save while you spend, and an amazing chance to double your salary. A whole year, and even more consolation rewards in the Echo Bank double salary promo reloaded. Vimro, this Echo Bank salary account sounds interesting. What do you think? But maybe next time, Charlie, you know what? I'd go shine my shoe. Yo, myself, I'd go check my BP. We go up, never go down, and we stay flat. Open an Ecobank salary account today for a lifetime of benefits. You also stand a chance to win more than double your salary in the Ecobank double salary promo reloaded from now till July 31st. Terms and conditions apply. My name is Tina. I am a person living with HIV. I got to know my HIV status after I gave birth and lost the child because of HIV. In those days, Prevention of mother-to-child transmission services had low patronage due to fear and stigmatization. Today, many HIV-positive women have delivered negative children. I follow the guidelines and take my HIV medicine called ARVs every day as prescribed by my doctor. This makes me strong and healthy and also prevents me from passing HIV onto any future child. Please, avail yourself for PMTCT services when pregnant. It is the only way to ensure you do not pass the HIV onto your baby during birth or pregnancy. If you have tested for HIV recently and it was negative, test again when pregnant. If you have tested positive, go to the hospital after birth as directed by your healthcare provider. 
your baby will be given medicine immediately and tested to ensure baby and mother are well. Let us work together to have an HIV-free generation. Our children must be free to shine. All of a sudden, your voice are different. And when you try a call, Bama, bring me the honey whiskey. You know the one? Black Rock Whiskey. Honey Whiskey. Shale, honey, near their frown. Black Rock Whiskey is strong. Now, so taste me is smooth. And it goes down easy. Excuse me. Bama! Bama! Bring my friend one Black Rock Whiskey. Black Rock Whiskey, blended with natural honey flavor. Black Rock Whiskey, Tabby, the feel is smooth, National. Drink responsibly. Not for sale to persons under 18 years of age and not recommended for pregnant women. This advertisement has been vetted and approved by the FDA. Daddy, Daddy, this tank is Yes, that's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow, it has a working surface like this. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I can see S I N T E S syntax. That is so true, my daughter. When it falls down, it will spoil. That's not true. But why? Hey. <laughs> Syntex was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. 
So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. And thanks for staying with us. Uh, We've already started the conversation because, as you may notice, there's so much in this particular standing orders, proposed standing order. From what uh, Roxanne has just been telling me, it's actually possibly done, um, waiting for the uh, effective date to kick in, and then it becomes something that Parliament will use uh, immediately. And so we'll get into that. But remember that uh, PMSS is always brought to you by uh, Territory Properties. We develop spaces as though uh, we were occupying it ourselves. Syntex tanks is the strongest tough. Alamo Betas experience greatness in every moment. Uh, Ghana AIDS Commission as well. And uh, I, just for you uh, to know, by way of information, no matter uh, your water needs, Syntex tanks has this all. Uh, Syntex tanks is first to introduce double layer tank, and now you can have as many layers as you want. Syntex tanks is first to introduce the white inner layer tanks in Ghana. We now introduce you to the uh, customer specs order will let you order any color and size of preference. Syntex Tanks gives you the longest warranty of seven years, which no other time gives you in Ghana. So whatever your water consumption, size of project or demand, choose Syntex Tank. We have uh, agents across the country. They want to give us a call immediately. 244 or shop online at SyntexGH.com. Um, and the numbers there, you really want to give them a call. 244 one, six, eight. Syntax tanks are strong, are tough. And then, of course, you know, passion is everything. And that's why I recommend to you Territory Properties, because they build with passion. And because they, they, they themselves believe that they will only build something that they want to live in themselves. Thinking about buying a new home, talk to those who build with passion. Sloan Square is a new gated community development at Sakumono, developed by Territory Properties, a one-of-a-kind, well-planned, luxury you have never experienced. Call them on 0553-662-366. properties. Sophistication and class. Uh, joining me right now for a conversation is Dr. John Osai Papon, uh, who is a political scientist and CDD fellow. Uh, Doc, thanks for your time. You're on PMX. It's great to have you. I'm looking forward to picking your thoughts on this all-important matter uh, affects our democracy. Also with me in the studio is Dr. Rashid Druman. He's Executive Director of the Africa Center for Parliamentary Affairs. Had something to do uh, with the drafting of this. This has been 
Uh, 23 years in the making, by the way. So it's traveled a long way. Now it's uh, almost about just done. And Roxanne Nelson Defemekwa is a member of Constitutional, Legal, and Parliamentary Affairs Committee uh, of Parliament. And, and Roxanne, very quickly, where are we uh, with this particular piece of amendment to the standing orders? Thank you very much. Uh, good evening to Dr. Jamani, yourself, and uh, Prof. And my viewers, uh, especially in Southdine. Uh, the report from the Standing Orders Committee, uh, which I'm privileged to have served on, um, got laid, um, adopted, debated, and, and approved. And so that having been done, it means the final product which the report gave birth to is now ready to be um, put into action. But what I know we are going through now, we are doing the final editing in terms of making sure that the, the every, every I's are dotted, all the T's are crossed, every comma is in place, syntax and all that are properly aligned. And in terms of the numbering, numbering too, we must be sure that we, we get every number in terms of the order of the sub rules properly aligned. Then speaker can put pen to paper and make it effective. But initially he gave the indication that he would have loved to almost immediately um, push it into action, into effect. So much so that even the media budget review, the debate would have been conducted pursuant to the new standing orders. I see. You want this done as quickly as but, possible. Yes, and I agree with speaker, but given the the fact that we may have to go and, and and do the final editing and do the final typesetting, it means that it may be it may be effective from October mm. when we return from recess. Okay. There's a lot to go but, through. But, but, let's go that but, but the more important thing is that yeah. it's been adopted. Okay, great. Let, let's go to the specifics because... Yes. Um, you need to carry the yes, public along because yes. you're doing this on our behalf. Let's go to some of the specific. Well, I want to start with the first one that uh, a few of my friends, you know, in, in civil society and in governance have raised that possibly could come back and challenge, you know, the constitutionality of what you're proposing. And it has to do with the independent constitutional bodies. Yeah. Uh, you have a committee now on independent yeah. constitutional bodies. And one of the things that you're proposing to do with this body is to empower this body to investigate and inquire into the activities and administration of institutions yes. under their jurisdiction. And such investigation and inquiries might, must extend uh, to proposal for legislation. So you, you're hauling all these constitutional bodies, independent constitutional bodies before you, mm. plus also I see an amendment there that allows you to also bring them to the floor like ministers and, 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 and do a bit more scrutiny. I see here that this is in federance of Article 103 of the Constitution, 103.3 of the Constitution, which gives Parliament the power in the committees to look into the. But if you look at that particular clause carefully, you have to be extending its definition to include independent constitutional bodies because it says clearly here that committees of Parliament shall be charged with such functions, including investigation and inquiry, which is repeated in the standing orders now, into activities and administration of ministries yes. and, and departments. Yes. Is it your MPs, is it your understanding that <laughs> ministries and departments include independent constitutional bodies like the EC? Uh, thank you very much. Um, 
not MPs, but Parliament. Okay, Parliament. Parliament is the mind of the Republic. If the Republic is of the mindset that these independent constitutional bodies purposely interpreted could, could mean a state department, then they are covered. Now, questions have been asked. How do we exercise oversight over these constitutional bodies? There's been a lot of lacuna in terms of the procedure provided, even in the constitution itself. The constitution has made this provision. But how do you, how do you give effect to that? It's missing. And so if under Article 110, we are mandated to, 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 to come up with our own rules to govern our procedure on the floor, then it is the, it is the, it is the mind of parliament that in order to deepen the exercise of oversight, now I want to grant you better access. Heater 2, for instance, the, the Electoral Commission, NCC, were appearing before a committee called the Special Budgets Committee. Mm. So they had a mandate to look at their budgetary allocations and all. And that's all there was to it. Now, you recall that when EC was considering bringing a new instrument to as it were, make the Ghana card only the, the, the document to have recourse to. For Parliament to engage the EC, it had to be like the committee of the whole and in, in camera. The Speaker had to suspend the standing orders to allow the media to come, otherwise, by our practices and, and committee of the whole media. Committee of the whole, it was an in camera hearing. Speaker had to, had to vacate that, that practice to allow media to cover it. So going forward, we think that we can, by procedure, so, so far as we are not in contravention of the Constitution. That's my question. Isn't this inconsistent with the constitutional provision I just read? No, we are not saying that come and tell us how you perform your functions. You know, we are saying that to, to deepen the exercise of oversight, if we give you money, how you, how you spend the money, we need to know. You don't always... Sometimes there are interim matters that will engage the House. There should be a procedure for you to come and lay the paper, speak to it, to engage members to be able to be debated upon and approved and the decision reached. We don't have to wait for a committee, some special budget committee, to go into conclave to go and engage you. Mm. But if that's all there is, I don't think there will be a problem, except that here yeah. you want to inquire you want to investigate into the activities. Yes. But the constitutional provision you rely on says you can only do that when it has to do with ministries and departments, not but, independent but, constitutional but, bodies. But, but, but um, um, Evans, I am struggling to appreciate why it's difficult for you to see that a constitutional body or a statutory body that has been given some form of independence in terms of performance of its functions, like the office of the special prosecutor, cannot, cannot be brought to parliament mm. under this procedure. For the purpose of investigating it? That is so. And inquiring into its activity. That is so. That is, that, that is the language of the constitution. Mm. And the derivative of that language is for us to exercise oversight. And, and mind you, the constitution provides a caveat so that the outcomes of this investigation will lead to legislative reforms, mm. not for any other purpose. I mean, let, let me bring him in here. I mean, it, it's not a judicial process. I, I get it, but well, what do you make of it? You, you've been very instrumental in drafting. What, what do you make of this particular? Well, uh, Evans, I think uh, 
First of all, maybe let's, let's, uh, let's make it clear. When we talk about oversight, I think the, the, what comes to most people's minds immediately is that it's confrontation. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, yes, so yes. that is how maybe people are seeing this. No, at all. But to oversee an independent institution, I believe, like Honorable has indicated, they allocate budget through appropriations every year to these institutions. I think they have the right to call these institutions to come and answer any questions that there are. Yeah, but that's fine. I don't yeah. think people are, are have an issue with that. Yes, yes. But they have an issue with them now wanting to expand the budget committee to include in, independent constitution that will investigate them. And, and Evans, maybe if, uh, if we look at it I mean, uh, within the framework of what is happening currently in our country, where more and more we see the court, the judiciary venturing into the territory of parliament and telling parliament what to do. And this is a body that is the only body in the republic that we have elected, and for which reason we are called a democracy. Now you have the court coming in every now and then and giving parliament instructions. Mm. And people don't see anything wrong with this. And when parliament calls bodies that it allocates resources to, then, you know, people are beginning to see issues about it. Mm. You know, and, and for me, what comes to my mind is the discussions that we had a few years ago before the private members bill was introduced in our parliament. Most of us said, look, over the years, our parliament has generally interpreted its powers to give itself less powers than it does have. Let it give itself the, 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 maybe the highest level of powers that, uh, that, that the Constitution provides to it. And let somebody go, go to court. Hmm. Let them challenge it, and then we'll see what the outcome is. When right, uh, Honorable um, Michael Quay was uh, opening the floodgates for these, uh, if I could use I mean, that word, for the private members' bills. I think that that was the thinking at the time. If anybody has any issue, because speaker after speaker tried, and then there were issues about Article 108 of the Constitution. Because it's going to impose... Yeah, impose a tax on the consolidated. Yes. And then we said, let's go and then let's see if um, people can go to court and then say Parliament doesn't have those powers. It's interesting that on the back of that on the LGBTQ bill, which is a sponsor, yeah. that somebody's in court, yes, yes. precisely yeah, on that. Exactly. Precisely yeah. on that no, point. Exactly, and, and for me, I, I seriously disagree. I'm not a lawyer, but I seriously disagree. Because if we are not careful, one day, every little bill that is before Parliament, every little thing that's before Parliament, somebody will run to the court. And then we are going to have our Parliament immobilized. We are going to have our Parliament prevented from doing its work. Mm. Because, I mean, some other branch of government is telling, I mean, uh, uh, the legislature how to do its work. Let me bring in uh, Dr. Sai Kwapon, who is also with us via Zoom. Doc, specifically to this particular provision, we'll open it up to other things. I just want a quick comment on it. Is Parliament running the risk of overstepping its authority here? Please unmute for me, if you may. Sorry, Evans. I can hear you Uh, now, yes. So, in principle, um, I don't think that Parliament is overreaching. After all, in our constitutional design, uh, they are empowered to be the ones who provide oversight um, over uh, especially the the executive arm of government. And so, 
thinking about this within the context of their oversight responsibility, um, I, um, I don't think they are overreaching. The other point that I also want to uh, make is that in a lot of our public discourse, we keep saying that um, parliament is weak, parliament is not mm -hmm. a strong institution, yeah. um, that we've designed an imperial presidency, an imperial executive, right? I have been arguing that for me, um, the quote-unquote weakness that people have been referring to when it comes to parliament is not so much that it is weak in design, but I think, at least in my opinion, I believe that parliament doesn't quote-unquote flex its powers enough. And so um, this is, for me, more oversight can never hit the purpose of, um, of good governance. So yes, in principle, I do, I, I do see where this new standing orders is coming from. But also in reading through it, there are certain parts that I also say to myself, I wouldn't be surprised if um, you know, certain parties mount uh, certain uh, challenges to it, especially as it has to do with uh, uh, independent constitutional bodies. But even in that instance, my position is always that independence doesn't mean lack of accountability, right? That there's a reason why certain bodies are designed as independent bodies. I agree with that and I support that. But I don't think that being an independent body should insulate you from oversight and accountability. And so it becomes a question of how do you balance that respect and appreciation for that independence of these constitutional bodies, whilst at the same time allowing an institution like parliament to provide the necessary oversight um, and accountability as well. Interesting. Roxing, let's expand this beyond. So this one is... We'll see if anybody decides to challenge it, and then the courts will decide. But there are other very interesting provisions that you're proposing here. And one, because you are in opposition, let me take you there quickly. You are giving a bit more power to the opposition party now, chairing the appointments committee. And I find that very interesting. And then the budget committee. The budget committee is a new committee. The new committee. And I look at the terms of reference, the, the power that you're giving it. They actually now have to work with the finance ministry, designing of the budget. That's a powerful committee. Yes, we are giving it to the opposition party to chair. Yes, because you see, our parliament, it's, and, and I'm happy that is here, our parliament is amongst only nine parliaments in the world that does not participate in budget preparation before it comes to the house. But they consult you. Hold on. No, how they do don't? they don't? The finance committee, don't have consult the finance committee. No, no. What if you come to engage the finance committee? That's not parliament. In the course of the budget preparation, we are completely taken out. Mm. So the first time you like, see the details is when the, speak, exactly. the, when the finance is reading it. Yes. In fact, when he's reading, you don't see it. It's until it's, it gets to the midstream before you see the statement being, being floated to you. So there's, there's been a lot of seminars attended, and, and, and we, we discovered that amongst those nine parliaments, we, can, we, can, we cannot afford to belong there. So we have to belong to the majority where parliament is placed in the center of the budget preparation. Mm. So you see, you, 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 cannot, you cannot bring the budget where estimates are made for projects. The money is insufficient. And yet you go ahead and, and approve. At the end of the fiscal year, the project doesn't get done. So we want to be in the middle of the budget preparation. Then we guide. This is all we can do. This is all we cannot do. So when it comes to the house, it's easier. 
So a new budget, a new bill, and it's a private member's bill, which is called the budget bill, is to be promulgated to become the budget act, which, 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 which we have the sister acts in Kenya and Uganda. They have the budget act, which guides them. So in fact, in Kenya, they have the budget committee. So some of these we have borrowed from Kenya because we, we, okay. we, we are very close in terms of our parliamentary architecture. And it's to be given to the opposition to, so that we can guide the process, assist government in terms of budgetary allocations and all. And that power is being given to the opposition. As well as the appointments committee. But what's the thinking behind appointments committee one? Because it served as well. Parliament, if it's not broken, but don't let me, let, No, let me take it from where Doc, Dr. Doc Dr. left yeah. We've been accused of not being effective. Oh, rubber stamping. Yes. Okay. And, and part of the problems has been the appointments committee. If you have, have an overbearing chairman <laughs> who is a member of the party in government, where certain critical documents of nominees will come and some executive, executive powers will be exercised. Members can be told that, here, don't go there, don't ask questions. Even if you ask the question, the question can be ruled out. So the, the chairman it's has that, the power so to rule So yeah. we want the public to, to know that parliament can make reforms and say that where we fall short, where we are getting flagged, where we are being criticized, we can make reforms and let, let the opposition manage and let's see whether there will be better vetting process going forward. You, you trust this will necessarily lead to a, a better vetting process, a parliament that then so. holds the incumbent president nominees so. accountable yeah. before they are approved. Yes, indeed, uh, Evans. And, uh, and for me, I think I'll even go beyond the, just the, the role of the chair. I mean, to now, I think the expanded nature of the committee, uh, because over the years, I mean, I have said that perhaps maybe we should... Uh, try to see whether we could introduce what happens in the U.S., for instance, where, I mean, uh, the committee responsible for overseeing that particular sector is one that vets the nominee. So what you're saying, it, if you just, you, you don't know, what, what the proposal is that, for yes. example, if you're vetting the uh, finance minister, yes. Yes. Finance, the finance committee, yes. leadership, we'll sit, the leader will we'll sit, sit, exactly, as part of the exactly. appointments committee, exactly. approve the person. Exactly, because... Legal legislative committee can yes. come and yes. sit when attorney general is coming. Because otherwise... And join the ex-office, we'll yes. there will be standing members of the... Because members. over the years, Evans, what we have seen is sometimes the questions that are being asked at the appointments committee, I mean, they leave so much to be desired. And, uh, and so you find people not too familiar with that particular sector, and one committee, I mean, is dealing with A to Z, you know. So, so for me, exactly. So for me, beyond, beyond, I think, the leadership, I mean, the role of the chair, I think I have to commend Parliament for this. But let me get back to the budget committee. Yeah. You know, I think that for me, this is one of the, the transformational aspects of these, uh, these standing orders. Because even if you remember, uh, some years back, um, we did a study uh, which is called the African Parliamentary Index. Okay. And we looked at the powers of parliaments in Africa on overseeing the budget and finance in general, public financial management in general. And uh, Honorable has made reference to Uganda and to Kenya. Uh, our parliament was last among seven parliaments. In terms of? In terms of financial oversight. Yeah. Uganda and Kenya were at the top 
because they have this budget committee and then they also have a budget act yes. and then they have a, what is called a parliamentary budget office. We've been struggling here up to this day to have that office set up. So through this private members bill that he's been referring to, I've been part of the process, sponsored, sponsored by the, the leaders. I just hope it finds the light of day just like this standing orders. And I believe if it does... The act will do it. Yes, the act. Mm. And then the budget office. Yeah, which will create the budget, the yes, parliamentary budget, budget office. office. Which will do what exactly? The parliamentary... We'll do budget analysis. Yes, the parliamentary budget office is not like... Uh, when people hear that uh, nomenclature, they think it just, just prepares so, budget for parliament. No. It provides analysis for all committees and members to go and interrogate, interrogate the budget properly. As it is right now, sometimes you go and they are interrogating the budget, shooting in the dark, mm. because they don't have, I mean, um, parliament is constrained in a way, because if you look at the research department, for instance, uh, we have a research department, but the number, if you look at the ratio of researcher per MP, is very low. If you look at, um, what do you call it, at the committee level, uh, one committee clerk is serving many committees overstretched. And, the and the, now they have the clusters and so on. So if you have this parliamentary budget office, it's similar to what is uh, in the U.S. called the Congressional Budget Office, which has more than 3,000 staff, people with, I mean, backgrounds from, I mean, um, um, artificial intelligence, mathematics, to down to zoology, so that if there's any matter concerning the budget, or for that matter, Look any bill enough. that comes before Parliament, this will be the body, and it's fiercely independent. Yeah, I, mean, I just hope, I just hope, ours would also be fiercely independent. Yeah, because, but, yeah. be, because in many countries, like uh, in the U.S. and in Canada, sometimes the government will come up with the, the I mean, some kind of projections, and the parliamentary budget office will come down. and say, no, this or is not going to. This is not going to yes. hold. Yeah, but based on the work, scenarios. But, but that's the thing, and I want to bring uh, Dr. Osaka upon yeah. it. It may work elsewhere because democracy is very mature and advanced. But no, but it's working in Kenya. It's working in Uganda. Fantastic. And, and when, you talk about, when you talk about Uganda, you know, usually people will say, oh, this is not a democracy. We are a better democracy but, but yeah, than Uganda. We are. But you know, no, no, no. Well, no, I mean, not, not really, Evans, not really. I mean, maybe at the presidency, so, at the presidency know, yes. But uh, I think in terms of, I've been to the parliament many, many times. And I think most of what they are doing, we have a lot to learn. Let, let, let me bring in uh, Dr. Sarkofon. Doc, to that particular question, we have a very highly polarized political environment here. And then you have an opposition party chairing the appointments committee, chairing the budget committee, which now will be empowered to work with the finance. Don't you see an opportunity for significant gridlock that may prove counterproductive? And when I got the report and I went through it, that is actually my, my biggest concern. Right? That, you know, years ago, when I learned about how the, 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 the how part works, the Public Accounts Committee, and the fact that it's chaired, you know, by uh, someone from the opposition, I said, you know, this is a really good idea because typically uh, in legislative bodies, when it has to provide oversight of the executive, you tend not to see um, the same party in the legislature exercising a lot of oversight of its own party in the, in the executive. So, for example, in the U.S., when Congress is in the hands of a different political party, you tend to see a lot more congressional hearings and oversight over the executive. So I used to think, oh, this is a brilliant idea, that you can improve how much 
oversight parliament does. But if you also look at the tone and the tenure that our politics has taken over the last several years, right? In my opinion, I believe that our partisan edges have really sharpened. Um, we've become a little more polarized than we were when the first, when the Fourth Republic started. And so my biggest concern is when you put critical committees like the Appointments Committee, uh, and for example, this committee on... Uh, the Budget Committee. And, and not, not necessarily even the Budget Committee, but the Committee on Constitutional Bodies. Okay, independent. Independent constitutional. Is that, is that one too going to be chaired by the opposition party? No, no. no. okay, yeah. Okay. Oh, that won't be chaired. Okay, no, that yeah. won't be chaired by the opposition party, yeah. It's the Budget Committee that will be chaired, thinking, yes. If you look at our fight over the EC, uh, over the last two elections, I was getting concerned, but okay, I'm very relieved that that will be chaired uh, by, by this. But yeah. the, the appointments committee, um, again, if you look at how polarized we've become and how we've sharpened yeah. our partisan well, leaders, our democracy has to grow. Yeah. That. In principle, it's a good thing, yeah, but the practice of how yeah, that would work, I, just, I can just see an opposition party highly motivated um, to quote unquote settle score or you know, to stop a nominee, sometimes for purely partisan reasons. And I wonder how the committee would get around the, the potential day. of partisan derailment um, of potential nominees who may otherwise become, um, who, who otherwise may be, you know, very qualified. I like the idea of the Legislative Budget Office. I think it's one of the parts of the standing orders that makes me really, 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 really excited. Um, years ago, one of my first professional experiences um, in the U.S., I worked in the state legislature for an office called Legislative Services Commission. And it had a budget office component, it had an oversight component, and then it had all of these other team committees that supported the legislature with research, analysis, projections, and all of that. So I think it's a brilliant idea. If they can get individuals into the legislative budget office, that does the administrative type work, the projections, the analysis, the financial scoring of legislation. They can get people in there, uh, build their capacity, and who are also very independent in the way they do they do work. I think we should really see a different mm. kind of parliament. Uh, Dr. Kapoor, Dr. Sakopo, stay with me. Let me quickly get your, your reaction to yeah. that. It is a partisan gridlock. We, we saw this year uh, under this hung parliament. What happened with some of the appointments? And even there, you were in opposition. Yeah. And you saw what happened, how it dragged for the first time, ministers' appointment. Were, were, and then you have an opposition party chairing it. That can, the chairman can determine whose question is taken and whose question is not. You, you see the problem that Evans, Dr. Saikwapon is Evans, pointing there. Even with this, with this hung parliament, parliament was still criticized for not doing enough in terms of the CV. So how else Parliament and then to improve the structure, and this is this is how we have to do it. Mm. With all these hung numbers, we still receive flags. We're still heavily criticised for not saving the president's nominees and appointees well enough, and we allow some to 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 go through. So if they are giving us problems, then Parliament has to be blamed. So Parliament in transforming its architecture. Is introducing some improvement in terms of the saving process, in terms of the oversight process. I think we have to allow it to work. Then we can 
gauge how the new system helps mm. Parliament to carry out its mandate. But once you approve it, that's it. And, and in respect of the, 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 the Parliamentary Budget Office, I think it will be an office that will be serving Parliament very well in terms of the introduction of bills because mm. they will be turning out the fiscal impact analysis mm. that if you want to implement the law. Okay. They, so they will, be, they will be preparing those reports. And you see, the fiscal impact analysis report is not always to tell you that you spend X amount. In fact, it's also to tell you that you may not expend any monies at all when, when the legislation is being implemented. Mm. It's, a very, it's like a due diligence report just to guide you as to how things will be if, if this particular bill goes through and becomes a law, it has to be implemented. Yeah. So it's a report that, that can give a positive picture or a, ne- a negative picture, but it has to be the fiscal impact analysis report. No. I mean, yeah. I, I also see ways and means. Mm. Yes. Ways and means committee. Yeah. In Ghana, we say ways and means. Yeah. But I, in, in terms of its actual definition, this committee will be responsible for apportioning funds for committees' work, uh, etc. In fact, it will be the most important committee of the house. Why? Because of its mandate. Because of its it, form. No committee can work without. Without recourse to. Without having recourse to the ways and means. And ways and means is not the football ways and means. <laughs> this is actually a nomenclature borrowed from the established. Parliament. Mm. And so U.S. is such a huge committee with a staff of running to hundreds. Mm. So it is with the House of Commons. So it is in Canada. Mm. So it is in Australia. So if we labored, we labored to use a different nomenclature. Even on the floor, members thought that waste and, waste and means outside amongst the generality of our people could know... The Ghanaian context, so, of course. But we struggled. If people on their feet, they, we, so we had to maintain it. Because well, it becomes a term of art. Standard practice? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it yeah. is. And I see it as an effort to decentralize the work of the Finance Committee. Because, I mean, similar to uh, maybe what we, what we say about the presidency, I think the Finance Committee over the years has become so powerful. I mean, that everything... Finance and money yeah. is, I mean, in the hands of just one in committee. In fact, here you're actually proposing to break down. Yes, exactly. That we have. So, that's, so we took the budget committee out yes. of it. And you also and took economy and development yeah, out, out of yeah. it, yes. Yeah, so I think that that's, that's, uh, that's, that's also a kind of uh, a very kind of thoughtful, I mean, uh, change that we are seeing in the standing orders. But, I mean, Honorable talked about um, the, the I mean, fiscal uh, impact analysis. I mean, in looking at the standing orders, I mean, the, the new proposals, uh, events, I think one of the things that I see is that it's very short and very kind of um, weak when it comes to issues of gender. Okay. So, you have a human rights committee. Yes. No, exactly. But, but you see, today, I think most parliaments are, are very forward-looking. So, for instance, when you go to some parliaments in southern Africa, I mean, I was recently in, in Zambia. Yeah. I mean, if you look at their standing orders, it says if a male is chairing a committee, then a female has to be the vice, okay. and vice versa. So that oscillation. Exactly. And I think that I would have loved to see this okay. in our, I mean, in this new, okay. because look, even if you, you must, look at... You must have enough female MPs. No, the, yes, yes, we do, we do. If you look at, I mean, well over, we have 44, almost 45,000 MPs around the world. Mm. And only 26% are 
out of that, that's about 11,000. Mm. Are women? Are women. Okay, that's, that's so, terrible. you know, and, uh, and then apart from that, I think we also see uh, the fact that, I mean, explanatory memorandum, yes. I mean, to accompany bills. bills yeah. Yeah. Again, it doesn't talk about, you know, it just says explain the purpose. We would have loved to see if, for instance, I mean, uh, explanatory memorandum would talk about how the bill will impact men and women differently. You know, okay, we just borrow the constitutional language. No, exactly. Yeah. So I so think we can, we can expand exactly to because today a lot of parliaments are very progressive, mm. and we don't have to leave our our uh, mothers and sisters behind when it comes to these uh, these matters. Our country is seriously not doing too well when it comes to gender. And we have a very big project right now with uh, with parliament, and the focus. It's on gender. Yeah. I mean, in Ghana, in Kenya, and in Togo. And if you look at Kenya, I mean, the difference between Ghana and yeah. Kenya is day and, and Rwanda night. celebrate on the continent. Exactly. Globally. Exactly. Being one of exactly. the leaders in the area. So these are some yeah. kind of uh, weaknesses that I you, see, you see that. in this. Uh, uh, let me go to Dr. Sokwapa, and I'll come back to you to end with you, uh, Roxing. Uh, very quickly, very, very quickly, uh, Dr. Sokwapa, if you may. So this is a proposal that will carry. Both sides will go. For you, looking at it, is it, is it one that ultimately yes. serves the exactly. democratic so interests even, of this country? Would it make us better? Very briefly, in 30 seconds, maybe because of time. Yes, I, 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 I honestly believe that. And as I mentioned in my opening remarks, I want to see more of this from Parliament, mm. right? So that hopefully in another five, ten years, we won't be having this conversation about a weak Parliament overrun by the executive and rubber stamp and everything. I think it's, it's good to see that parliament wants to strengthen mm. not just the institution, but also strengthen the way the way it does business. I, this is really a step mm. in the right direction. And, and Roxanne, my media interest there, you are actually now opening up all committees yes, to the public. Yes. With and, exception, and, with only in cases where... Let's give, let's give a tremendous gratitude to speaker. All committees without exception, even the intelligence committee. Yes. Why not? Why not? That's why. That's why the new standing order says, even the opinion of the committee, some of the they decided otherwise in yes. camera. That's fine. But Speaker Bagbe wants to make Parliament as transparent. So the norm is public. Yes. An exception is you decide in camera here. And, and Evans, I mean, in two thousand and seven, uh, when Salas Mensa was chair of the Public Accounts Committee. Through a project that that I implemented, we worked to open the PSC. Before that, then, the PSC never sat in public. And today, when you talk about parliament, when you talk about effective committees, you talk about yeah, PSC. So, so, so I think that we should allow this to work. My difficulty will be uh, the fact that at oh, at a time you can have about ten committees sitting. Mm -hmm. So priority. That's why I well, mean that... Allow us to decide. Yes, I mean, uh, we'll, that's, we'll that's, why, that's, why, that's why I think that we've got into a stage where as parliament, we should have our own TV stations. Mm -hmm. have but you own... do already. We don't. We tap into your sometimes. No, we, we don't. don't. Have... We, we, we tap into your... There's, there's a Facebook something, but that is not properly a TV channel, properly okay. so-called. We need a, a TV station properly. We need our own radio...